Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? Josh, hey man, it's Luke. Hey, what's up, bud? Hey, did you know what album came out 30 years ago this week? 30 years ago this week. I have no idea. Digital Underground Sex Packets. That is a great album. It is a great album. album. I think you're the only other person I know that really knows that record, though. Like, everybody knows Humpty Dance, but, like, Sex Packets was a great record. The only reason that that one was so popular is because that was the only one clean enough for them to release on mainstream radio. Yeah. And then I love Freaks of the Industry. Oh, gosh. That song, that was on mainstream radio, and it was filthy as soon as it comes on i can sing it word for word did you ever sing any of those songs word for word for any of your lady friends no 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 even today not for Kristen, not for your wife i would totally sing those for Kristen, and i'm pretty sure i have actually sang them for Kristen. will and I'm you do sure me a just... favor and play freaks of the industry for your wife today <laughs> we can definitely do that i'm pretty sure she's heard it and and she makes fun of me. she's like i was 10 when that came out you're gross <laughs> Well, I was 10 too, and I loved it. So, yeah, see, it's greatness. Maybe it just runs in the family. All right. Well, that's all I had for you. Sex Packets, <laughs> 30 years old this week. I'm going to go found the album and listen to it today. Serenade your wife. I will do it. See you, I man. Will do it. Later, bro. From Milieu Media Group, this is 30 Pop, a weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Braun. This is Season 2, Episode 13, Old Rats, Young Turtles, and the Oscars. Today we're looking back at the week that ended Saturday, March 31st, 1990. Hello friends and welcome back to 30 Pop. We have much to discuss this week, but first, just let me say that I hope you're all safe and sound and successfully navigating this hopefully temporary new normal of social distancing and sheltering in place. These are strange days, but we will, sooner or later, get past them. And in 30 years, when we're looking back on the COVID-19 pandemic of 2020 on 30 Pop, which I can only assume I'll still be hosting at 70 years old, this will all be just a faint memory. Or at least I'd like to think so. For now, though, let's just keep things going as well as we can by looking back at all the pop culture happenings from this week in 1990, the biggest of which was the 62nd Annual Academy Awards on March 26th. The awards were hosted for the very first time by the one and only Billy Crystal, who was and would still be, in my humble opinion, a perfect host. The big winners for the night were Driving Miss Daisy, which was nominated for nine awards and took home four, including Best Picture, Born on the Fourth of July, which was nominated for eight awards and took home two, and Glory, which was nominated for five awards and took home three. Amazingly, all of those movies released within one week of each other in mid-December of 1989. Other winners included Batman, The Little Mermaid, and Dead Poet Society. Best Actor and Actress went to Daniel Day-Lewis for his role in My Left Foot and Jessica Tandy for her role in Driving Miss Daisy. Best Supporting Actor and Actress went to Denzel Washington for his role in Glory and Brenda Fricker for My Left Foot. Lastly, Best Director went to the always brilliant Oliver Stone for Born on the Fourth of July. I put a link to the complete list of winners in the show notes, so be sure to check that out. 
Other movie news from this week in 1990. On March 30th, the very poorly received Dana Carvey comedy Opportunity Knox hit theaters and eventually recouped only about $11 million of the $13 million spent on its production. Carvey was already a huge hit on Saturday Night Live, but his big film break wouldn't come until his next film, two years later, alongside Mike Myers in Wayne's World. Also new to theaters this week in 1990, to the great delight of me and every other kid on the planet, presumably, was the one and only original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A couple weeks back, before I'd ever heard the phrase shelter in place, I sat down with my Ninja Turtle-loving cousin-in-law, Caleb, and my 13-year-old nephew, Jake, to talk about this cinematic masterpiece. Here's our conversation. Caleb and Jake, welcome to 30 Pop. Caleb, you were just here a couple weeks ago. Welcome back. Thank you. Jake, you haven't been on in ages. You were on a very early episode of 30 Pop. You are my 13-year-old nephew. Welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Oh, okay. So, (laughs) fun thing, you and I, Jake, got to watch, for your first time, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original movie, which released 30 years ago this week. We sat down and watched it yesterday, and you fell asleep about 20 minutes in and slept all the way to the end, and so then we rewatched it later in the evening. Tell me, what were your thoughts as a first-time viewing of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the original movie? What did you think? Uh, It actually surprised me. I thought it was going to be bad like cheesy and not a good movie but it was surprisingly pretty good because you've grown up with the new movies correct Mm -hmm. yes and you like the new movies yeah they're pretty good but they're not anything like the old ones okay what do you prefer do you have a preference there is one right answer to this question. I'm going to give you one more <laughs> shot at it. Uh, the old movies. There so. you go. That's what I like Good to choice. hear. Caleb, how about you? You got to watch it with your six-year-old son. Yeah, which is amazing because I was six when this movie came out, and like just that full circle what was really he, exciting. What did he think of it? You know, I was nervous because I grew up Ninja Turtles. Cartoons in 87, you know, comic books, the toys. My fifth birthday was a Ninja Turtle birthday party. Yes. And... He hasn't had that. Like, he doesn't watch those cartoons, those toys, whatever. And so I was wondering, worried. It's a little weird. It's not animated. It's yeah. live action. Kind of freaky. Yeah. He enjoyed it, though. Like, he, he was into it. And so he clearly has excellent taste in movies. He does. And he, he made some good points and some nice observations. One was the bad guys. Like, when we're going through this warehouse, he's like, why are they bad guys? And, like, showing what the 90s really thought you know, bad kids really look like. They have spiky hair and they the play guitar. Yeah. Right. You know, if they you take out the games. smoking and the alcohol, that would just be a legit place to hang out. Yeah. Today. I always wish in movies that, you know, hackers had a scene like that too. Mm-hmm. There was like this really great, cool, like teenage hangout. Yeah. I, I wanted that. Why mm-hmm. didn't that exist in my world? Well, because we weren't villains, I guess. I guess so. Yeah, but he enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I was surprised how well this movie actually holds up. Yes. Thinking back, like, in my childhood memories, like, oh, these movies are fantastic. They're wonderful. They're so much fun. And the turtles looked real back then. You know, like, they could really be in yeah. this world. Going back and watching it, it did a pretty good job. You know, and you can't yeah. really complain. It was Jim Henson's puppeteering people who put those costumes well, and together. You, and, and you so. can complain when you get to the later movies and they don't they use those characters. They look so terrible. weird. Yes. So I want to tell you my memory of seeing this movie. So mm-hmm. I was very excited. I was a huge fan of the cartoon as a kid. I remember when the cartoon actually premiered on primetime television. Yeah. It came on in, like on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. I remember it. Loved it. Watched it faithfully. 
And then I was in fourth grade when this movie came out, and I had a good friend. His name was Art Stone. And I remember Art's dad, who was also named Art Stone, took me and Art and Art's sister, Chisa, to see this movie. I was so excited to get to go see it, and he snuck us in. He didn't pay for it. <laughs> we snuck in the back door. And then as soon as the movie ended, we walked out of the theater like floating. And he goes, you want to see it again? We walked right back into the theater and watched it two times without paying. One of my greatest childhood memories was sneaking into this movie twice on the same day. Get to see Anytime you get to see two movies in one day, that yeah. was a win to me. Easily. But to get to do that for free and feel, I guess I was part of the foot that day. But yes. I was, I was a villain. Still didn't get a cool hangout, but... You got to see Turtles twice. I did get to see Turtles twice without paying at all. So, great memory. I love that you snuck into a PG-rated movie. Like well, I remember sneaking in. Fair enough. Sneaking in so I could go see Scream instead of the lousy PG-13 movie that was showing. Right. But that's pretty hardcore. <laughs> yeah, this is just a dad that wanted to be like the hero dad but not spend a dime on his kid. And I just got to say, I think those are made-up names. <laughs> they're, def- <laughs> they're definitely not. Anyway, okay. Tell me what you love about this movie. You say it holds up. What holds up for you? You know, I love the puns. I didn't catch the puns when I was a kid. Uh All the shell-related humor Mm -hmm. I thought was great. California roll. Yeah. All all those little, like, just one-line quick things. I was picking up on this time, and I thought they were, you know, it was better, you know, for that. And then whenever I was a kid, the action scenes still aren't too bad, you know. I found myself just enjoying the movie. Like, it Nothing was just over-the-top stupid. Of course, we're living in a world where turtles can become ninjas through, as we learned from the song, Nuclear Goop. But ooze is actually what it is. And the whole thing seems to make sense. Casey Jones is a fantastic character. Completely unexplained. He's basically a real-life superhero. Yeah. I don't know if you follow like the real-life superhero movement. That's a thing that exists. Yeah, yeah. He was that. He's just a vigilante. Yes. And in the cartoons, you know, he's just kind of there to help out when he wants to, but sometimes he's kind of a dick to people, you know, yeah. just however he wants to be. And <laughs> and the fact that he's sort of powered by sports equipment, I mean, like he's getting, you know, totally beat up at one point, but he finds a golf club and then he's just ready to fight. Yeah, like, like what was it, like a, a uh, five wood or something? Yeah. And he knocks uh, Shoei, I can't remember his name, but uh, I don't know. 10 yards back, yes. which is a beautiful swing for the first time, you yeah. know, swinging a golf club. Yeah. I mean, he hits Raphael with a cricket mm-hmm. bat and knocks him into a trash can. Yeah, I mean, and the, amazing. the Jose Canseco joke, you know, you yes. didn't pay for this. And yeah. it's like, it's just buy one, go one free or whatever. You know, there's just some legit stuff that I would, I probably repeated as a kid. And yeah. I found that as a kid, I remember repeating a lot of Casey Jones's lines. Really? Okay. Um, but not understanding him. It was just, you know. Yeah. But that was good. He's, um, he's sort of an archetype for a lot of the men that I know in yeah. the world. I mean, he's like a total sexist sports nut. I mean, easily. Yeah. I want to issue an apology to April O'Neil or the actress who plays April O'Neil. As a kid, I thought she was too ugly to play April O'Neil. Ah. As an adult, I find that she's not ugly. She has pretty horrible hair. And I think that may have been what did it for me from the get go. But. And then the biggest surprise of watch, rewatching this, uh, I was doing some background, is uh, Sam Rockwell as right? the lead goons. <laughs> Who tells the police like where to go find you know, the yeah. answers they're looking for? Amazing. Like, I just got done watching Jojo Rabbit, where yeah. he is awesome in that as like this head Nazi dude. And then this is where he got to start in Turtles. Yes, and it's incredible. That is like so jarring when you're watching it. Too. Yeah. You're like, what? Right. And then you get Corey Feldman, mm-hmm. obviously. I mean, to me, this is like a Corey Feldman movie that I actually really love. Yeah. This is like right up there with Goonies for me of like Corey Feldman roles. Yeah. 
playing Donatello, but he's the only notable turtle. But Splinter, do you know who Splinter is? No, it's the dude who voiced Elmo from really? Sesame Street until he got in trouble with some kids. But yes, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which Elmo and Splinter being the same yeah, person? That's weird. I I definitely didn't know that. Yeah. So. Okay, so Jake, as a first-time viewer, what characters jumped out at you? Who did you like in the film? Casey Jones is probably my favorite because okay. um, he's a sexy sports nut. Got it? Just the sports part. <laughs> I, I like that uh, he can like well not use anything, only sports gear. No. Is he in the newer movies? Is there a Casey Jones in your world? Is this your first time seeing Casey Jones? I think I haven't seen them in a while, but okay. I think he is but you knew of the character casey jones Mm -hmm. okay did you grow up with anything else ninja turtles i know there's been all kinds of cartoons that have released that are all inferior to the original but easily did you grow up with any of those i think i watched some of them but i don't even know i know i had some of like the toys and stuff you did you grew up with ninja turtles toys which are probably also inferior to the ones that yeah they changed the look and yeah it's not good it's not not good yeah Yeah. the turtle i i remember as a kid wanting so desperately to own ninja turtles toys Mm -hmm. but they just there we just weren't having them i mean like we had all the gi joe all the he-man all the star wars toys you could dream of Mm -hmm. but i never owned a single ninja turtle toy i had them i had all four and i finally got Raphael. And your freaking brother-in-law, who was like four years older than me, somehow guilted me, talked me into giving it to him, (laughs) like after I got it. And he had it forever there. And I I just remember that as a moment of my childhood. He probably still has it, if I had to guess. I would hope so. Yeah, I'm confident. Because I don't have any of the other ones. He is the type of person who, if he ever owned a thing, he probably still owns that thing. Yeah, and more power to him. He he needed it more than I did, obviously, because like I said, I don't have any of the others. And you had enough turtle power to give it away. Yeah, like I was there to stand up for the Constitution (laughs) and give away my toys. Yes, that's amazing. You should uh, go steal it back. I could probably do that. Good luck. I bet you couldn't. His, <laughs> his place is like Fort Knox, and I don't think anybody's ever gotten into it. So Fair enough. So one thing that was sort of glaringly missing from this movie for me, even as a kid, was that Shredder was the only villain. There was no Krang. There was no, no Rocksteady and Bebop. Right. That's, I think, my biggest complaint of that original trilogy, even with The Secret of the Ooze and Turtles Back in Time, which is... You know, a mess. Stepchild yes. of that. Yeah. You know, it's just, but the fact that Bebop and Rocksteady never showed up in any of those was a. And we get like sort of versions of them. Taka, in the Toka and one. Raja. Yeah, yeah. Like they're kind of the same, but they're but not. Totally all. not. And not good anyway. Mm-mm. You know, in the newer movies, I don't know if you've seen them. I've seen one of them, and I actually thought they did a really great job with Crane. Yeah. Yes. And so Crane's in it, and Bebop and Rocksteady are in it. And so while the turtles look terrible, mm-hmm. I felt they do look more good like about turtles, it. like actual turtles. <laughs> yeah, I don't need that. But that's just yeah, that's not important no. to me. Like they're sort of like human turtles. And like, so that's the only thing about these movies from the early '90s that I would go back and like. I just even as a kid, I was like, "Where is Bebop and Rocksteady?" Because those are the you know the morons that are easily defeated as they're on their way to the bigger threat. But yeah. you know sometimes they can be dangerous. Now while this one was missing Krang, and Krang is like the brains of the operation, mm-hmm. obviously like no pun intended. But they actually did do a really great job, I thought, with Shredder. Oh, the, the things that I think the reason why this still holds up for me is because it is so realistic. Mm-hmm. And so and like for a kid then it was pretty dark actually. Yeah, very so, gritty and I mean the fact that like one of the first things you hear one of the turtles say is damn 
Well, like so, three times. Yes. Yeah. And they say it so much through yeah. it, even like when they're joking around. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just Raphael who's the bad guy, you know, not yeah. the bad guy, but yeah, the, Donatello you know, the bad turtle. Right. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure Michelangelo says it when they're watching TV. And Ninja kick the damn rabbit. Right. Yeah. And I, I had to tell my son, like, we don't say that. And he says, say what? And I'm like, exactly. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> I mean, I say it, but that's fine. Oh, yeah. Whenever he grows up, say whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, but, but even like the first time, you know, that opening scene, they, they save April O'Neil. Mm-hmm. Even the way the film opens with April's report, I thought was like, it was cool. It was yeah. dark. You see like this sort of street crime happening in a really creative way. Mm-hmm. But when it first shows Raphael's sigh laying on the ground and she reaches and grabs it and it looks so real. It like that immediately removed it from the world of cartoon for me and made it like, I believe these characters, you yeah. know, like I didn't actually believe they exist, but I could believe, you know, I could sort of suspend disbelief and believe in mutant ninja turtles. Yes. You know? So I loved it, that. Can I just, the sigh as a weapon, what do you, it wasn't even sharp enough to stab somebody. It, that's true. It, it was not even as sharp as a butter knife. Yeah, it was. Not, yeah, not even that. It was, like, mean, it was, it was like a circle. Yeah. Like, <laughs> round a, it a little short stick that you'd have to be really close to somebody to do anything with. But that just tells you, I mean, it, it's a great defensive weapon, I think. So yeah, So you can probably. disarm other people. You can protect yourself with it. But like as a as a tool for hitting people, yeah. or per, you're not stabbing anybody with that. I mean, and you get the scene where they have the nunchuck off standoff or whatever, yes. which is which so is great. it is still great, right? Yeah. And he's like sitting there Keep twirling on his finger, yeah. Keep practicing. Like while the nunchuck is kind of a spare weapon as well, although Splinter, when he uses it at the end, shows how well you can use it. You yeah. know, that made that weapon cool. And then, as a kid, you want the bow staff or the swords because well, and that weapon's cool too. Also, in that, it looks so cool. Right, like the things that you do with it, the way mm-hmm. that you move with nunchucks. Yeah, every kid loved that. Yeah, like, absolutely. Every kid loved that. So things that don't hold up for me, okay. or, or, or that even were terrible when I was a kid. There's yeah. a couple of lines. First of all, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, Leonardo's voice gets all over me. He's pretty annoying. It is the most obnoxious thing. Mm-hmm. But there's a couple of lines, one being when they they leave April O'Neil's apartment, they had a great time, they come back, they discover that Splinter's been abducted, and then they go back to April's house. She opens the door, and they just say, Splinter. Splinter. <laughs> <laughs> the way they say that, the way his mouth moves, yeah. it just, oh, it's so creepy, I yeah. hate it. Okay, the mouths don't move. They're just like... The mouths absolutely they move. move. All no, they over the don't. place. Like, now, they don't like articulate, but... They definitely move, and sometimes yeah. they match up incredibly they well. It is and, pretty remarkable, actually. Yeah. yeah. There's another one where. So when I guess right before that, or no, no, it's it's later. It's when they're out at the farmhouse, and you've got Raphael standing up on the roof, or somebody's up on the roof. It's not Raphael because he's hurt, and he screams into the sky, "Splinter!" Oh yeah. It's just so stupid. So the single splinter lines should have been edited out yes. altogether. No, but they shouldn't because I actually I'm still nostalgic about hating right. them. Like yeah. I still even love hating them. Splinter. Yeah, that always was in my mind. And maybe as a kid, it just like I hurt with just them sure. because he's really gone. <laughs> and then the turtles crying also at the campfire when they they meditate <laughs> and and Splinter gives them you know his final words. Are, right. I love you. And then they're like touching each other and crying, and it's just, uh, it's so uncomfortable. The way they like hold hands, and then like he puts his hand on top of the hand. Yeah, that's a moment. But then there's this amazing turn, the very next scene where you've got Casey Jones and April O'Neill sitting on the porch, they're chit chatting or whatever, and then they look up. Yeah. And the turtles are standing there, and they said, 
it's time to go. Best back. shot of the entire movie, oh, like so cool. the farmhouse, you know, in the background, they have all the trees and stuff. It's kind of a, a tinted gold or whatever. And they're just standing there like ready to fight, but you know, obviously not because they're going to punch they've in been that training. Second. They've right. been the montage has already happened mm-hmm. and they're ready to go back. And then the music kicks in and it's just, you just know they're about to just hurt some people. Yeah. That's a pretty cool shot. I would have that poster in my room if we <laughs> I'm still sure made that posters. It had to be a poster. It's yeah, it's uh, so good. It looked like a comic book, yeah. one pager type thing. It's yeah, like, it's time to go back or yes. time to go home. God, it's so, so good. good. Okay, yeah. so let's talk about the final scene of the movie. Okay, here's one more thing that bothers me. They defeat Shredder, or they don't. Splinter defeats Shredder, which is cool. I think, which is like, great. I love that. I feel like growing up I was like the turtles are supposed to do that, yes. but the fact that Splinter. I have a whole... We can talk about that in a minute. Go okay. ahead. So he defeats Shredder, mm-hmm. who they're absolutely getting destroyed by the whole time, and does so in the most violent way I can imagine for a 1990 kids film. Yeah. He lands in like a trash compactor, and they crush him to death. I want to know how he landed into the trash compactor, because isn't it's in clearly a garbage closed. truck, yeah. isn't it? Usually they go through the in, rear entrance, not from a top entrance. You would think. But either way, yeah. that had to be like the most violent way that they could kill him. Oh. Thank you, Casey Jones. I mean, was he was so probably great. dead already, but I don't know. He had protective metal yeah. armor on, so and maybe Casey not. Casey Jones is just like, oops. Oops. Yep. Turns, oops. Oh, it's so violent. But then immediately after that, the Ninja Turtles are standing around talking about how amazing they were mm-hmm. and, it, and they it, got, it's like are you kidding me kicked. this like geriatric rat just killed him like you <laughs> had nothing to do with it yeah that's actually a good point i didn't even think about that they do celebrate themselves a little too yeah. much there even casey jones accomplished more in that time than yeah. they really did yeah I because mean, with regards to shredder they did great fighting off the foot right and but the foot fine. They've never been great. You know, there's never been yeah, a foot that's actually been a threat to them. Nor are they actually people in the cartoons. True. They, they seem to explode a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I agree. And so then he falls, which I thought was a gruesome death. But as I was saying, Splinter destroys him now, and he's still teaching his, his boys, right? Yeah. And so you have to view the first Turtles film and The Secret of the Ooze as one collective story arc. Okay. Of the get, Turtles versus Shredder, right? Because I don't know if you've seen The Secret of the Ooze of recently. I've had Vanilla Ice in it. I've watched them all recently. Okay. And so, like, the second movie picks up like two days later. Yeah. And April O'Neil all of a sudden has this, like, completely different, yeah. super nice filled apartment. And it's a different actress. It is. Which, you know, it happens. Was Roseanne, the daughter, changes to Sarah Chaka. Sure. Or, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it happens. But yeah, it's like two days later because that one guy's like, our master gone. I am your leader now. And then Shredder like pops up and he's all covered in banana peels and whatnot. Yeah. And you know, so this whole thing was about getting the turtles to the point where they could beat Shredder, which ironically at the end, they can't even beat Shredder again, even though he super oozes up. He Shredder beats himself by collapsing a pier on him. So the turtles never beat Shredder. That kills him. Yeah. The trash compactor and the like, 30-story fall did right. not. It's amazing. And so, yeah, even at, and then at the end of the second movie, they're, they're celebrating themselves for beating him. Ridiculous. Even though they just technically didn't beat him, they, they tried to reason with him in the second one, which I guess shows maturity. I guess. But I still like the skill. second one. 
Well, we'll revisit that in a year or two yeah. when it actually is turns 30. I so. want to say about the rooftop scene, and this is important, and you can't see it now. Luke knows about this, but I have this little right ear, right? Mm-hmm. And it doesn't work, and it's very tiny compared to my other ear, which does work. And you get Splinter's backstory and how he became a ninja and how the turtles he, became, sliced off, yeah. he gets his ear sliced off. And my six-year-old turns to me and he says, that's just like you. I'm like, <laughs> good point, Howard. And then thanks. you get to begin his ninja training. Right, and I have, yes. You are the modern-day Splinter. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. You're, you're still pretty young to be Splinter, though. I mean, yeah. he was old. But you got a question like, how long do rats live? <laughs> right, because like, it makes sense that he would get the ooze and then be able to age but how old was he whenever he got the... Yeah. But even before he got the ooze, he was already learning. And he was very well educated. For a rat or, yeah. you know, anyone. For a human being. Yes, I mean, true. Yeah, that part's interesting. Very wise. They don't explain that very well in the movies. I guess they don't really have to because no. those who know canon Ninja Turtle stuff sort of already know. You know, I wanted to make that point as well. They didn't spend a lot of back- time with backstory on any of the characters. Like April and Neil's the one that we get the most backstory mm-hmm. on. And I thought that works to the benefit of the film. Like, we know coming in, the movie's called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Here they are. You know, we don't have to spend yeah. this whole big, long time setting them up. And so I think that played out that they were able to just kind of hit the ground running with this stuff. Yeah. You know, most superhero movies today, when we get a new superhero, there's quite a bit of time, you know, giving us their origin story, which I didn't think we needed here, which is great. Yeah. I have a question for you. Did this make you want to go, like, searching the sewers for cool little apartments because as a six-year-old it definitely made me want to do that and anytime you could walk under a tunnel of some sort you're like this is kind of like the second one does that even better oh my they find the subway but oh it's the best what are your thoughts (laughs) no 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 at no point you wanted to go crawl in the sewer I mean, probably if I watched it when I was younger like even I have crawled in the sewer before okay Okay. so it's not the same because I never, I was never brave enough to do that. Oh, just yeah. pretend or gross enough to. do I got that. lost. Fair enough. Scary. Yeah. Mom's neighborhood, and I was like, oh. <laughs> so you crawled in the sewer? Yeah, me and my friends. Okay. And I've always thought about you know crawling in one, even like whenever I run around my neighborhood. There's like this trail around this creek, and you see turtles down there. But then there's those big drains that I mean, the water run off, and like even to this day in my head when I'm past that, I'm like, there's something going there's on. There's some in ooze there. in there. And those turtles, there's too many turtles here. That was like 40 turtles the other day. There, yeah, there's a lot of turtles in Houston. And there's too many here that at least two or three of them have walked in the ooze. Something. Yeah, it's amazing. Right. I did have pet turtles as a kid. They were named, obviously, yeah. Leonardo, Donatello, Michelangelo, and Raphael. Overall, I got to say, this movie does have everything. It's got action. It's got suspense. And, you know, that when Raphael's getting killed by all the. And I also love Leonardo's. I know what you're going to say. Ability to diagnose on the spot because yes. he falls through. They throw him through the roof. Uh, guys, She's like, is he dead? This. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, no, he's still alive, but barely. Like, yes. how do you know that like, in the two seconds that you kneeled beside triage, him? Triage, man. And then, yeah, Donatello's. Well, Donatello does know machines and able to yeah. say the structure uh, of this probably. Speaking, I'm not sure this is the best time for your friends to yeah. drop in. Yeah, But so it's got nice. the love story between Casey Jones and uh, April. But Even a little bit of a triangle because Michelangelo Definitely loves April. Yeah. yeah. The father-son thing between Splinter yeah. and the Turtles, the brother thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, the father-son between uh, Danny or Dan, I'm sorry. Oh, and gosh. Can we talk about dad. that, by the way? So we're talking about April O'Neil's boss and his degenerate son, Danny, who stole <laughs> so, 20 bucks from April and... And then does the right thing. You know, he gives it back. redeems himself by giving it back. Doesn't explain what he did, but he just says, just trust me, I owe you. Mm-hmm. And then finds his dad, 
His dad's worried about him. He's been missing for days. He's, he's living just, in a sewer. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Go, dad, I'm okay, but it's just Dan now. Dan, it's Dan. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> and the dad's like, huh, Dan, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, what was the point of that moment? Like, why is the name change there? I don't understand what significance it holds in the, in the film. I think they're trying to, like, because he, like, did the right thing by giving her the money. Maybe growing as maturity, and I feel I like guess. there's, but like there's like when he was talking to April earlier, he's like, "My dad doesn't get me," or no, he's talking to Splinter. Yeah, yeah and yeah. you know, he learns a lot from Splinter. My dad doesn't get me. Dad, but he could care less. He, yeah, and Splinter's like, "That's not true." Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, I think there's this like, maybe he's never wanted to be called Daniel or Danny or whatever. He's always wanted to be more serious than that. And his dad just sees him as a boy. And so this was like a good opportunity for him to finally say, dad, I need you to hear me because we have not been communicating very well. But in this moment, I feel like you're ready to finally hear me. I want to be called Dan. And that was just the whole riff from the get go. That's why Dan turned to crime. So that was the inferred like dialogue that I should have known was happening. I think it's all there. There was some tension that I didn't, I missed. I missed all of that. You know, I thought it was funny that in the early 90s, he has his Walkman on, right? Yes. And he's like, see, this is what he does when he wants to ignore me. He just puts those things on. Where does he even get one of these things? And he's like playing a tape. It's like, so life doesn't change. We just change the technology in which we're ignoring our parents with. So just keep playing with your phone, young man. (laughs) It's true. Okay, so a scale of like... Bossa Nova. On a scale of Bossa Nova to Cowabunga, how does Oh, wait, we're saying Bossa Nova is the worst. Okay, Uh, it's Cowabunga. which can I give you the origins of that word? Sure. Because I looked it up. I was just curious. Of course. Dates back to the 50s. It was a, a word originally heard on Howdy Doody. Okay. And then got drafted into surfer culture, which then got adopted by the turtles, and now it's their word. So. All right. But Howdy Doody. So on a scale of Bossa Nova to Cowabunga. It's legit. It's Cowabunga. It, I would watch it again, and I would enjoy it. Yes. And I don't have that many complaints. Like, I've gone back and watched movies that I watched when I was in college, and I'm like, wow, That's these terrible. movies are, yeah. are just so bad. Yeah. This one still holds up. And it's not, I don't think it's just my nostalgia. I think it's still, I mean, you have Jake, a 13 yeah, you, year old. You can that, tell us, Jake, on a, on a scale of Boston over to Cowabunga, how do you rate this movie? Best way to explain the movie Turtle Power. See? Cowabunga. You ranked it Turtle Power. My, I love it. Yeah. My six year old enjoyed it. And All right. I we think, just said we had better movies as kids. That's great. I'm glad. I to think know that's that. obvious. Pixar movies are pretty legit. Those movies are for us today, though. Those aren't they really are, yeah, and it's, I guess it's because we have such a high standard of a child's movie. We just continue to have better movies. Yeah, that's a fair as a point. Generation. Yeah, I'm thankful for that. So same for me. It holds up. I love it. I love it so much. It always makes me want to eat pizza. Yeah, we're having pizza for dinner tonight. Oh, so same with us. Us, us yeah. too. Yeah, awesome. we're having pizza. So we may watch the second. Oh well. We probably won't do that, but <laughs> man, thank you guys so much for being on. Can you come back next week to talk earnest? Absolutely. All right, let's do that. Yeah. All right. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Luke. Huge thanks to Caleb and Jake for taking some time out to talk Ninja Turtles on the show. I seriously still love that movie. If you haven't seen it in a while, or somehow at all, as of the release of this episode, it's available to stream for free on Netflix. Do yourself a favor and check it out again. There's not a ton else to report from this week in 1990. All our billboard charts look exactly the same as last week, although that will definitely change before next week, when Paula Abdul's reign at the top finally comes to an end. 
I'll be back to talk about that, as well as the debut of a couple terrible films and possibly the biggest wrestling event of the year next week. I hope, as always, that you'll join me. Until then, I offer you only these words from the great master Splinter. Help each other. Draw upon one another. And always remember the power that binds you. The same as what brought me here tonight. That which I gladly return with my final words. I love you all. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Mill U Media Group, visit millumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1990 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.